Welcome to The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a very full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea. I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best versions of themselves each and every day. We came together to create the Wellness Hub, which is an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing a space to share tips and tricks, that we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and show the world how relatable these everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community, The Wellness Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, to donate to our nonprofit Spoonies Unite, which helps provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and supports us in our endeavors. To learn more, visit the show notes. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. We are super duper 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 excited to bring you this episode with Harper Spiro, who is a business coach, podcaster, writer, and the founder of Made Visible. She's been writing and sharing her story about her invisible illness, hyper IgE syndrome slash job syndrome for the past nine years. Before then, nobody but her closest family members knew about her condition, even though she had been living with it her entire life. Until she needed to have a life-threatening surgery to remove a quarter of her right lung, she kept her illness to herself. Harper recorded 100 episodes of the Made Visible podcast sharing stories of people living with or affected with invisible illness. She now facilitates the Made Visible writing class, helping others with invisible illness write and share their story. We loved Harper right away. We started chatting with her right away before we even started recording. She's amazing. She is just, I feel like I say this about all of our guests, but we connected with Harper on a level that we're going to be lifelong friends. And we really hope that you enjoy the episode. Harper's got some great tidbits as always. We always love to bring you great tidbits, but it's an episode that I think you should really listen to all the way to the end because there's some really great topics that come up even in the last five minutes of the episode. So listen to it all the way connect with Harper, let us know what you think, and just have fun. It's a great chat. Hi, everyone. We have Harper Spiro here with us today. We are so excited to talk with you, Harper. Before we started recording, we were all just chatting away, and I'm so excited to actually record our conversation for our lovely listeners. Hi, Harper. Hello. I'm so happy to be here with you, lovely ladies. Yay. So excited. So, Harper. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, your story, and how you've gotten to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. I know we've been coordinating for a long time. Um, My story goes back to, let's say, 2011. I started working at a beauty PR firm. Super high stress, crazy hours, just like high intensity job. And while I was working there, I would walk, you know, I live in New York. I've lived here my entire life. And 
I would walk three or four blocks and feel like I was going to collapse. And I'd get up my two flights of stairs at my apartment and didn't really like felt like I was going to fall down, like truly sat on my couch and was like winded and didn't know what to do with myself. And I went to my general practitioner and she kept saying, oh, it's a cold, it's the flu, it's pneumonia. And she just kept giving me different medications and inhalers and nothing was working and nothing was changing. And I had this sort of smoker's cough, something I'd never done and just felt sort of crappy for about three months. And around three and a half, four months in, my mom said, enough already. It's time for you to figure out what's going on here. You're like getting in a taxi after four blocks. This is not normal. And so uh, I saw a specialist, a pulmonologist at NYU here in New York, who said, like, let's do some testing and figure out what's going on here. And she did this testing and I got an x-ray back that was fine, blood work back that was fine. And the next morning she called me and said, uh, are you sitting down? And I said, I can be. And she said, are you with your parents? Because I had been with my mom the day prior. And I said, no, but I can get them on the line. And, you know, I, I wasn't able to get them because they were at the gym. But anyway, she gets to me and says, you have a cyst the size of a golf ball in your right lung. And you need to get it removed immediately because we have no idea how long it's been there. And the only reason it was seen was from the CAT scan because the x-ray and blood work were fine. And I hadn't had a CAT scan since I was 10 and I was 27 at the time. So this was like very shocking information. All of a sudden I need to have surgery and remove a quarter of my lung out of nowhere. Like what felt like out of nowhere. And so I um, freaked out naturally. Yeah. And I went uh, and called an immunologist because the backstory to this is that my mom spent the first 10 years of my life trying to figure out what was going on with me health wise because I had a lot of skin issues, eczema, uh, acne, rosacea, ear infections. Uh, other really lovely things to deal with as a child and as a kid. And um, basically, I finally found this immunologist. My mom found this immunologist who did a blood test and said, oh, you have Job syndrome. Hyper IgE is the other name for it. And said, here's the diagnosis. Here's a medication for t- to take for the rest of your life. And basically, good luck. There's so few of you in the world. We don't know much. So I wanted to get a second opinion from her to understand, should I have the surgery, what to do? And when I called her, she said, you can't do this. You will not come out of live. I'm going to say that again. You can't do this. You are not going to come out alive. So here I have a doctor I met yesterday saying, you must have surgery. And this doctor that diagnosed me 17 years prior saying, you have to have this surgery. And so I ended up going down to the National Institute of Health because there was a team down there who had been um, who had been overseeing patients with this condition for many years. And the immunologist had told me about them when I was first diagnosed, but I wanted to live my life. I didn't want my health to interfere with it. 
I didn't want to be burdened by it. I didn't want to be a guinea pig. And I said, unless I need something urgently, I'm not going down to Bethesda, Maryland and letting this interfere with my life until then. And I went to the NIH and met this phenomenal team of doctors who said, you need to have the surgery. There's no other way to go about this. But yes, it's serious. And here's all the potential risks, including death. Um, and not just like a 1% chance of death, like many surgeries. So it was a terrifying time at 27, again, working this high stress job. And, you know, I ended up going through with this surgery, March 5th, 2012. Clearly I'm here to tell the story. So the surgery went well, uh, but I've been dealing with pulmonary things ever since. And the thing that was removed from my lung was something called aspergillus, which is a form of mold. And at the time I was living in a super old building in the West Village. So we don't to this day know if it was something that I was exposed to in the building or elsewhere that got into my lung. And so I have been on antifungal drugs ever since. And while we're recording, I don't have it on, but I have like a hospital grade air purifier and all that stuff. Um, So it's been this wild ride because again, until I was 27, my health was like, put a Band-Aid on it emotionally, physically, in everything that I dealt with, one-off situations until this time. And not only did I handle it that way, but I told nobody about it. I was super, 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 super secretive. Um, and when I say secretive, it wasn't even intentionally hiding. I just pretended like it didn't exist. Uh, my friends did not know about it. My immediate family members, like my aunts and uncles, my mom hinted at things, but was sort of like, don't tell anybody because I had so much shame and discomfort around it. And then when I had the surgery at 27, it was sort of hard to ignore and pretend that I wasn't going to be on medical leave for two months and in the hospital and all that. And my life really changed at that time of realizing that I did need to prioritize my health and working this job where I'm getting emails at midnight saying, why didn't this tweet go out? I'm like, how is this my life? Like who gives a shit about Twitter and tweets going out when like I'm on, you know, oxycodone, uh, oxycotton, oxycodone. There's codone and codeine. Well, whatever the hardcore one was, (laughs) (laughs) the hardest core one, um, I was on that for weeks. And it's like, how could this be a priority? And so that really shifted everything for me career wise. I had been working in PR and marketing for like 10 years and decided I needed to do something that I actually gave a shit about. So that's really where I got into doing event production for nonprofits and health and wellness brands. I met a lot of people in the personal development space and the coaching world. And I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just never knew what the business was. And when I was surrounded by so many coaches without realizing their titles, I'd say, what do you do? How do you make money? Where do you get your clients? What's your title? Oh, you're a coach and you went through this training. And I basically talked to all these people and realized it's something that I had already been doing naturally without having the title and the salary. And, you know, I was the mentor, therapist, cheerleader for so many people in my life and their extended friends and said, why not turn this into something? 
So in November 2014, I went through a coaching training program and while I was still working full time. And then um, later in the year, I'm sorry, that that was the entire year of 2014. And by November, I decided to launch my business and see if it was feasible while I was still working full time. And at the same time, my boss came to me and my coworkers and said, how do you guys feel about going freelance? And we went freelance while I was starting this business. And I remember listening to an episode of your podcast talking about manifesting and how it was one of the things that you guys love as both of your faces light up as I say that. (laughs) It was not something that I believed in until that moment. Mm -hmm. Here's this person saying, I will keep paying you. You still have work without me having to ask her as I'm starting a business and going, does this work too? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was really, really magical for me. So I've been out on my own ever since. That was November 2014. Um, And then I don't know if you guys want to dive right into Made Visible and podcast stuff. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Because that's freaking awesome. Okay. Since 2014. I mean, that's like, like you're like an OG. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'll take it. So um when was it? So, wow. Time is so weird in pandemic life. Yeah, so 20, it really truly is. <laughs> yeah, it's really nuts. So 2018, I was going online trying to find content that I resonated with as a high-functioning person living with an invisible illness, running my coaching business, out in my life, seeing a lot of live music, traveling, living between New York and Tel Aviv in the winters, uh, and just trying to be as, you know, lively and, and much of a human as I possibly could without letting my health define me. And I found that everything that I saw online was really depressing. And mm-hmm. it was a lot of people who were homebound, couldn't work, weren't in relationships, didn't have friends. I don't know. I don't know where I found these things, to be honest with you, but it's what I kept stumbling upon. And I realized that I wanted to create content that resonated with me and that I knew there had to be people out there that were like me that felt that way. So I decided to start this podcast called Made Visible in July 2018, where I had conversations with people living with or affected by invisible illness. So it was a lot of patients, majority were patients, but also caregivers, friends and family, doctors, therapists, and then people who started businesses because of invisible illnesses, whether it was someone who created a brand because their parent or family member had an invisible illness and a product line was born from that. But it was just amazing for two and a half years to have these conversations on a weekly basis. We released um, 100 episodes and ended in October 2020 when I got a little burnt out from doing it, especially during the pandemic. Um, And my last episode was my dad interviewing me to sort of wrap it all up together, um, which was amazing. But what I realized from the podcast, amongst many other things, was that I was not done with the invisible illness community. But the thing that I am extremely passionate about is writing. And I have been in personal essay writing classes for about six years now. And while it's something that I've always done on the side, not for money or, you know, just really 
for therapeutic purposes and for getting better at being a writer, um, I decided to create the writing class that I wish someone else created that I could attend, which was the Made Visible writing class where people come in and write personal essays about living with and managing invisible illnesses. I have guest teachers every other week who are authors who either wrote books about invisible illness, have written essays about invisible illness, or have some sort of connection to invisible illness and writing. And we go through these different stages of most people having never written about their health before, and this being the spot that they do it, and they have the community around it with other people who are going through similar things that even if they don't have the same condition, you can still relate to mm -hmm. one another. So yeah, so that started in November 2020, and I will be launching my fourth class in September 2021. It's a 12-week class. And it's just amazing to hold the space for people, as you guys know, and the work that you do um, and be able to support them. You know, I'm very clear. I am not a trained therapist. This is not a support group, but it is where people air out their stuff, but through writing. That is so cool. Thank you. You're so cool. <laughs> I just Thank I, you. You guys too. I just feel like Harper, you're like a kindred spirit for us yes. because like when you were saying how you were looking on the internet and there's so many negative things, that's something Cassie and I were seeing a lot of too. And there, there is lots of positive stuff out there as well. Um, but there's a lot of negative stuff um, when you start to And look. we're not invalidating those of you who are saying the negative things. Cause yeah, life is yes. super shitty sometimes. Yes. Yes. But we but also. It's their truth. Yes, exactly. And we want people to be able to express themselves in the ways that they need to, because that's fair. Holding those emotions in is not good for you. It's not good. But we wanted to create a community that was a space where, yeah, you can complain and you can bitch about what life is handing you at the moment, because it, it can really suck. It definitely can. But we also wanted it to be a community of people who didn't want to be defined solely by their condition by their invisible illness, yeah. their disability. They, they want to have, I mean, it's still part of them, but have it be more about what, what they just wanted to do. And that just, as you were telling me about everything you wanted to create, I just made us, it made me think of what we've created. And I'm just like, yay, there needs to be lots of this stuff out there because some people maybe don't want to be in a little community and do gratitude challenges and do movie watch parties and book clubs with us. So maybe they want to write and they want to yeah. write with you. And I think the more resources out there for people to learn how to process what they're going through and connect with people that are going through similar experiences. I just think that the, the more there are out there, the better it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you because it's not for everybody. Like a movie watch party is like my worst nightmare. Personally, I want to be in silence. I do not want to hear anyone talking while I'm watching a movie. Mm -hmm. So like I respect it and I know lots of people mm -hmm. that love it. So that's why these things exist. Yeah. But personally, that doesn't work for me. And I also have friends in the chronic illness world who would never attend my classes. It's just like mm -hmm. writing, get, get the hell out of here. No mm -hmm. chance. So it is like anything else in the world. Everyone has their different hobbies and ways of coping and their ways of navigating life that works best for them. And that's what they should stick to. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that I really appreciate your gumption, you know, that you were just like, 
I don't like what I'm finding out here. So I'm going to create what I want and what I wish I had. And that's also very much Chelsea and I, um, that's how we got started too. I couldn't find a social or a in-person support group. Um, because I was like, I need to connect with people who get it. I need to connect, you know, and I want to like have friends that I can say, can we just like hang out and watch TV and like not talk to each other, but just like be next to each other and like feel like shit, you know? Yeah. And I couldn't find anyone like that. Yeah. And I was talking to Chelsea about it. And I mean, we've made so many friends this way and so much of it has been online because of the pandemic that I feel as though I have deep, genuine connections with many of the people that we've talked to online, um, in our community. And then also, just like you said, you had these incredible conversations with your podcast. We have our world just opened up so much when we started this podcast and the people that we have met and kind of like, yeah, connecting, finding a kindred spirit like this, it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. So I think it's awesome that you just went out there and decided to make and create what you wanted and find, you know, passion. And like you said, do something that you love. And I think it's really, really inspiring that throughout dealing with your health issues, you've been able to sustain running a business for freaking what, seven years mm -hmm. in exactly. New York and Tel Aviv. Like that's really cool. Thank so you. I really appreciate, I really, really, really appreciate that credit. Um, unfortunately I do really value external validation. <laughs> I do too though. Everyone I mean, does. Yes, <laughs> Everyone does. If they say they don't need external validation, I'm going to call uh, you out on your bullshit people. You're lying. Yeah. <laughs> you want it. I literally, I literally was having Chelsea validate me. Like right before we got on the call, I was like, I'm kind of car shopping a little bit right now. And I was like, I really want this car, but I just don't know. And Chelsea was like, it's everything that you've wanted, you know? And all this. And I was like, it is, it is everything I want. Okay. <laughs> buy it. Get it. You yeah. need it. I was like, you feel me, you know? And so, yeah, we all need that. Well, and, and to your point about, you know, starting my business, I've honestly always been this person, even in previous jobs, where I saw a company that I became obsessed with, and they may not have had a job opening either in general or that was fitting for me. And I basically did everything to knock down the door and go, here's why you need me. And here's what I can do for you. And in my eight jobs in 10 years before starting my business, that happened every single time. That's now, awesome. some of it was people introducing me and saying like, this could be a great person for the team, but I never replaced anyone because I created all the roles that I had in those years. That's super cool. See, you're so cool. That's really cool. That's super inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, and I also think... I'm someone who finds the gaps and the things that aren't working. That's always been a thing. And also I get really bored really easily. Um, so even though the podcast was going well and I was enjoying it after a while, I was like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And I'm annoyed that I have this recording and I don't want to do it. And I am not someone that does a lot of things that I don't want to do unless it's something that has to happen. And that's why entrepreneurship for me has always been the route. Oh my gosh, Harper. I love the fact that you're like, I know what my strengths are. I'm yeah. going to play to my strengths. I'm not afraid to go out and get what I want. And like with your podcast, I love how you just said I was starting to not enjoy it. 
And just because something is successful doesn't mean that you have to do it. And I think that that's so, it's so important. I recently read, and I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I read um, the, I believe it's the magical art of not giving a fuck. No, the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck. I don't remember the beginning, but it's the light. It's something magic of not giving a fuck. Um, And I wish I could remember the author. I posted it on our Instagram. People go to our Instagram, scroll. It'll be there. It's, and that just reminded me, like you stopped giving a fuck about doing recordings. And so you're like, okay, we're going to move on to something else. And it doesn't mean that you can't go back to it if you don't want to. But I love that you're, you're listening to what is it that's bringing you joy? What is draining your energy? And you're making career and business decisions on that. I just love it. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. It's making my heart so happy. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to hear that. I will, I'll share something with you that I haven't publicly shared yet, which is a few weeks ago, I launched a mighty network, which I know you guys do as well, um, for people who are interested in writing about invisible illnesses, but were maybe not able to attend my 12 week class for whatever reason, scheduling, financial commitment, whatever it is. And I wanted to make it more accessible to people. So I hired a launch person to help me with this. I spent a lot of time writing the copy and the social media and the emails and all this stuff that I really don't love doing. And I launched this community and I had some people sign up. It was not a lot of people. And I instantly wanted nothing to do with it. Instantly. How interesting. And I mold it over. Is that a word? Yeah. 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 You mold it over. Yeah. For like under a week, because I know myself and I'm such a gut, gut, gut feeling person. Preach. And said, (laughs) I can't do this. And maybe if I had endless resources that allowed me to hire a community manager or, you know, I had someone helping with content, but she was like very strictly content, not engagement. Um, And I thought about what it would take to make it what I would feel excited about and proud of and have the income that I wanted and it be worth it. And I was like, I'm done. I'm out. And I just closed it two weeks after it started. And I was really blunt in my message to the people that joined and paid. I said, number one, I'm refunding you. And number two, I jumped a little too far in more than I could have. I have too many other things going on between my coaching business and the writing class. And I'm sort of thinking of some other pivots and managing my own health all through Mm -hmm. this stupid pandemic. Mm -hmm. And this is just unrealistic and I don't do anything that's not a hundred percent and I'm not going to be able to make that happen in here. And it felt really good in certain ways. And it also felt really like, I don't know if I'd say disappointing, but sort of like, why didn't you think of this before? You know, Mm -hmm. I'd like to think of myself as a pretty strategic person, but I got so caught up in the launch that I didn't really think about the management. It's sort of like the people who are pregnant and think about their pregnancy and then they have the kid and they're like, oh shit, I have to deal with this kid too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. It reminds me of a concept we've talked on the podcast before of say no to say yes. So you said no to 
this community because you wanted to say yes to other things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really important distinction for a lot of people. And it's, it's okay to say yes to something and then go, no, no, never, never mind. That, that's mm-hmm. no, that's not what I wanted. I, I, I take it back. Mm-hmm. And that that's okay. Like there's very few things in life that are truly permanent. I mean, I think like I have tattoos and everyone's like, tattoos are permanent. If I really decided that in 10 years, I didn't like them. I can't go get them removed. <laughs> sure. They're not that permanent. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you said permanent, I literally saw your wrist. And <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and there you go. Permanent. Yeah. I lifted it up in the video and I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, I don't feel shitty about it because mm-hmm. I feel really clear that it made sense. Yeah. And I know what my version of success is and what it would take to get to that was not realistic. And I didn't have the ability to hire out all the people that I would want to hire out to manage it, which would also make me feel very distant from it, which right. And not the purpose. Yeah. We've definitely gone through those kind of things too, like deciding where we want to put our energy, what we enjoy doing, what we're happy with delegating, what we can afford to delegate, what we definitely want to stop doing ourselves or, you know, things like that. And we just not long ago had another, I think it was a quarterly meeting or we just like met and hung out or whatever, but we had a moment of like, how are things going? You know, what all are we working on? What are we enjoying working on? What are we not enjoying working on? And we definitely learned, um, similarly to you when we were doing like podcasts every single week, it became, uh, it was just a lot. It's a lot of energy. I don't know if people realize like, it's definitely a lot of energy. We love it. It definitely gives us energy. Also, it's usually very invigorating, but it's also, um, it's just a lot of work that goes into, into it. So we started doing more like batch recording. And so we take like a couple months and we do a lot of interviews and we record to just the two of us a lot. Then we take a couple months off and we have nothing to do with the podcast actively recording. We just, you know, talk to people obviously like on Instagram or something. Um, and that's worked so much better for us, you know, cause then we can, you know, kind of like be all in and then we get kind of like a break. And so, yeah, we've had to work through those, those moments too. What do we like doing? What do we not like doing, you know, mm-hmm. and social media is a whole job in itself. And we, we really do all of it. And, um, yeah, we, we started writing. We both like to write. You and do. Bo- what do you, in what format? So we've got a couple books out. <laughs> you do? How did I not see this in all of my like this digging? So As we're, of, like, and this, this should also show that Cassie and I sometimes struggle with um, sharing things that we've accomplished. <laughs> yeah, it sure does show that really well. <laughs> um, wow, was- I thought I did in my research no you obviously need to talk about it more um it was about so we're recording this in about august 2021 and about a year ago we released a energy management workbook which has since been redone and is empowered empowered self-care i should know the title of our book empowered self-care empowered control of your energy Thanks, Cassie. Cassie is obviously the one that does more work with our books than Chelsea. I do other things, but Cassie's in charge of the books. And then we both really like mindset. And so then we put our heads together and actually took, it was originally a course that we just felt 
it was, I mean, it was a good course. The information was good, but we felt like there was a better way to deliver it to people. And so we turned the course into a book and that's live a better life. Right, Cassie? Yeah, God. say it with conviction. Because I kind of forgot if it was, what the title was for a second. I was like, it's live a, live better, a better life. life, right? Right, yes. Live how a better stop, life. How to stop feeling hopeless about life and take control of your mind and your mind, anxiety, and fears. Thanks, Cass. Hey, everyone. Quick little interruption in your ears. We wanted to make sure that you know about the vital field energy cells. Cassie and I have been talking about them a lot because we seriously love them. They are amazing. They're incredible. I've been wearing my anti-inflame cell straight 24 seven on my body for weeks now. And I feel better. I've been having a lot of acne on my jawline and I was told that it had a lot to do with some inflammation in my gut. So on top of having some better eating choices for me in my body, bye-bye cheese. It's okay. We're getting through it. But wearing the energy cell, the anti-inflame one has been helping clear out that inflammation. I feel better. I feel less puffy. I'm not having this kind of bloated feeling in my stomach that I would normally wake up with. It's amazing. And I also love my no pain cell for days when I've been sitting too much. My body's just sore and just things just kind of achy and painy. It really does make a difference so quickly. It's like voodoo magic, y'all. We love these things. So if you're wanting to try them, which we recommend that you do, they're cool things. Go to vitalfield.com and use code SPOONIESUNITE, all caps, for 20% off. And just so you know, if you buy the cells individually with our code, it is a better deal than getting the bundles, which is cool. Saving money is amazing. But if you've been using them, let us know. We want to hear how it's working for you. Otherwise, go to vitalfield.com, use code SPOONIESUNITE, and get 20% off your order. So Chelsea, we love writing not the marketer clearly. <laughs> right. I am not in charge of books. Yes. I'm not. I'm in charge of data collection. <laughs> yes. And other things. <laughs> but so, and this is your podcast, but we just want you to know that this whole kindred spirit thing, we mm-hmm. also like to write. We also are passionate about it. And, um, we also, it was one of those things of like, if we don't do it, like we'll never do it. And so it's like, just do it. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Even when we published it, it's not perfect. We could have kept editing and changing everything, but it was like, no, we're, we're putting it out there. And, um, yeah. And there's, we've got two more books in the work that'll be out probably by the end of the year. And, and so it's possible, or hopefully Chelsea will remember those names. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I so, hope so. But one I of do- them is one I specifically wrote. So I yes. should know the title of that one. Yeah. You need to post it. You need to post it on your computer or your desk or whatever right. your setup just is. Just have it right like, in front of me. These yeah. are the books you wrote. These are the know books the titles. And you know, it goes into this whole like imposter syndrome thing because funnily enough, like with you being like, you guys wrote some books. I've been stalking you for a while. It's like, okay. So us being all nervous about like, Hey, we're published authors and like, we've got these books out and we've actually had some good sales on them and everything, but we're not talking about it because we're like shy. And we had this imposter syndrome and who are we to be writing a book? But we did put our little hearts and souls into it. And so that kind of is maybe a nice little segue also into you're obviously like a boss babe entrepreneur and you have pursued many endeavors So have you had imposter syndrome come up and how have you combated it? Y'all, I wish you could have just seen Harper's face. I know this is a podcast 
and y'all can't see the video feed that we can see. And I feel like I we're just, all very expressive and I wish they could see. I know. I just love too. your face. Harper was just like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if people haven't had imposter syndrome, then they're full of shit. Um, I, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I feel it. It's interesting in facilitating these writing classes because I am very clear and I'm really transparent in general with everything I'm like good at or not. I am not going to sit and work with a coaching client and say, I'm amazing at the financial side of things, or sure, I can review your legal contract and like tell you that it's fine because I have no idea that is not my specialty and I'm good at outsourcing and making referrals in those situations. But when I launched these writing classes, I have definitely had imposter syndrome in referring to myself as a facilitator, not a teacher, because personally I have found, I have my own sort of definitions in my mind of what the difference is. I don't feel qualified to say I'm a teacher, but I feel okay with being a facilitator because there are certain things that I feel capable of doing within the class and sort of moderating and making sure things are going smoothly and building out a curriculum. But I bring in the experts to teach and educate on writing because I do not have a novel written and I do not have an MFA, you know, in writing and all that stuff. So I think that's a huge one for me of like, I don't, I had a student join that had written for the Wall Street Journal. I think she was there full time. And I remember when she first contacted me and wanted to be in the class and I was like, do I need to remind her that I'm an amateur? Like, not that I don't know what I'm doing. Cause I, again, I am very blunt about that. Clearly I'm saying it on a podcast right now, but I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not a professional, I'm not a professional writer and I'm not a professional writing teacher. And I'm not sure what will potentially change that for me, if it will, whether I decide to get some credentials or not, probably not. Um, but no question, my entire career, I have been someone that has figured things out. I've never been trained aside from going to college and not paying attention and going to coaching training, which I did pay attention to, but I realized in my coaching training that I had a lot of foundational skills that I have in my back pocket and can use what I need. But most of my clients hire me to tell them what to do, not for them to figure things out on their own. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of been my MO for a long time of just like, I figure shit out as I go. Mm -hmm. um, again, never had any training in any job. No one gave me a manual and said, this is how we do things at this company. Again, eight jobs, 10 years, never had that. So I've always been a figure things out and it's worked pretty well. Yeah. I, I super appreciate you saying, um, you know, people hire me to tell them what to do, not to have them figure out what to do just because sometimes I am so like, Okay. So I, I, I'm really philosophical and I really like to like, let's talk about it all. And I want to figure it out. And I'm like, I overanalyze shit and you know, all that stuff. Um, but then sometimes I'm also like, okay, cut the shit. Just tell me like what to do, you know, and like enough of the fluff and Chelsea and I are like mindset junkies, personal development junkies. We love that shit. We do. But then sometimes I'm also like, okay, enough. 
I just want a formula and I want to follow it and I want it to work, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I just think that's really cool because, uh, that's just like a different, not that it's your slogan, obviously it's not your slogan, but it's like a cool little, I think that's not, I think that's cool. Thank you. I appreciate I think that. I've said that you're cool. Like <laughs> times, which I need a new adjective. You're, you're brilliant. I mean, I will take that one very much. That's a good one. The one I I've said this on podcasts before, just don't call me brave. Cause I really dislike that word. Yeah. So brave. I, especially when it relates to my health, I'm like, I yeah. didn't choose to deal with health issues. I choose how I navigate them. And there's nothing brave about that. That's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. I'm going to say that it's fabulous instead of cool. I do. <laughs> when I, when I say brave, it's more like if my son is like, mom, help me. There's a spider. And I'm like, do you need me to be a brave mom? You know? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You don't need, you don't need to be a brave boy right now. I got this. I think that's the only time I can, and that feels appropriate. Spiders, you do need bravery to deal with spiders. That is true. Oh God. Yes. I need you to come over when they come to me. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned kind of the brave. Just Cause I think I know for me being a non-spoony, not having an, a chronic or invisible illness myself. I think when I hear what people go through, one of my first reactions is, oh my gosh, you're so strong, which I also realized at the same time that me saying, oh my gosh, you're so strong. Doesn't always mean like, well, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Just like, I don't have a choice. <laughs> and so I think that that's like, just being able to share that maybe that's not the way people want to be described or celebrated for is good. And I think that that inspires me to more ask people, wow, you're going through a lot. Like what, what do you need? Like, what do you need a pat on the back? Do you need me to bring you up? Do you want me to just listen to you? I just think that's a really good reminder. I appreciate that so much. And I think it's such an important topic to address because there are so many people who do not deal with chronic illnesses who don't know what to do. And one of my favorite books out there is how to be a friend to a friend who's sick by Letty Cotton Pogrebin, who was on my podcast many years ago. She's in her mid to late 80s. She's such a badass feminist. And she was one of the founders of Ms. Magazine, if that means anything to you guys or your (laughs) listeners. She's awesome. And the whole book is like the closest thing to a manual manual of exactly what we're talking about here and it has lists of things to say and what to show up to a funeral to like a sitting shiva for those of us who are jewish um you know what to bring what to say how to ask and to your point chelsea like thinking about questions as opposed to like wow you're so strong like Mm -hmm. that doesn't make me feel anything to be honest with you Mm -hmm. like i don't I don't resonate. That doesn't resonate with me because I, again, I didn't choose this. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really helpful to think about those things because everyone handles stuff differently. And some people Mm -hmm. do like coddling. I have zero tolerance for coddling. Uh, And I personally, you know, how I want things to be handled shifts. I think about when I had surgery back in 2012, I went back and forth of like, I want people to be in touch with me constantly, 
but I also don't want to have to be responsive and for them to expect a response. I want people to show up, but I don't want them there at all times. So it was like, where are these boundaries here and how to communicate that when I'm going through my own stuff? I've heard a lot of cancer patients talk about like more than other people in the chronic illness space. I've heard cancer patients acknowledge how they feel like they need to support their loved ones on top of having to take care of themselves because their loved ones don't know how to handle them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such an interesting concept of like, it's not just you going through it. It's like, who do you bring into your circle and how do they help you and support you and not you feel like you need to support them because you're the one going through it. And not to yeah. discredit caregivers, obviously, mm -hmm. as I gave you so much credit earlier, Chelsea, for doing this and it not just being a Spoonies only podcast, um, but I think it's something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that was all really, really well said. And I think I completely agree with you. Like there has been times that I've appreciated when I have felt like I'm just fighting and fighting and fighting and like nothing's getting anywhere, you know, in this like world of health. And so sometimes when someone's like, you know, you're just being really strong as you get through this or something, then I'm like, I just needed to hear that for a second. But oftentimes, but it's only if like someone who knows me, you know what I mean? If they say it, then I, but if it's just like a random, you're so strong. I don't know how you live like that every day. Yeah. Well, um, thanks. Yeah. I, I know what you mean by that. Um, and there also goes to the place of sometimes like we don't, I don't want to talk about it. You know, um, my mother-in-law I've talked about in this podcast before, she's a great su support person of me and a dear friend. Um, and sometimes, you know, she's really great about checking in, like, how you doing? I've been thinking of you and everything. And it's been really nice. I can be honest with her. And like the most recent text, like a few weeks ago, she was asking, she's like, I feel out of touch. How are you? And I was like, you know, she's like, how's your health, the surgery? Cause I had surgery not long ago too. And I was just like, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm kind of just in like, I'm sick of being sick. So I'm not going to talk about being sick anymore. And I'm just going to like live. And that's where I'm at. And it felt good to just be like, I just want to not talk about it, <laughs> you know? And I so agree with that. I definitely mm -hmm. relate to that. I always appreciate the check-ins. I will say that there's never Me been too. a time that I have not appreciated check-ins, whether I want to engage or not. Uh, the one other thing that I'm thinking about is when people say things along the lines of feel better when it's around my illness, not like a, you know, cold, which you can call a one-off thing. But if I'm like unable to attend something or I cancel a meeting or something like that, feel better is really hard in chronic illness. And I know the intention is there to be positive and helpful and hopeful but it's like, mm, no, that's, that's not really how this thing works. Like it's not yeah. just going to go away. Uh, you know, I'm lucky to not have a lot of things that affect me on a day-to-day -day basis with my health. Uh, I'm not in pain, which a lot of people with chronic illnesses do have to deal with. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I don't deal with shit. Right. And you know, I, I hate bringing up the pandemic because we've done a really good job at not doing that yet, but it is unfortunately a time that has made me realize that I'd spent 35 years not letting my health define me 
And this time, unfortunately, my health has had to be front and center because mm-hmm. I have pulmonary issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can cut yeah. this if you want, because I just, I hate getting into COVID stuff because it's just so exhausting, but it's the reality, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we're not going to cut that as long as you're cool with it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're totally right. It does. It is forefront and in a different way, like mine has, my health has been forefront for about a year because I've had three surgeries in the last year and it's just been a lot. And I'm also a caregiver of my 91 year old father. And so I have for sure had moments in recent months, especially that I'm like, I am burned out in like every area. I'm also just finished up my divorce, you know, so there's like a lot going on and that's where I kind of was like, yeah, I don't, I just want to like live and watch love Island crap and read books and, you know, and sometimes you just need to do that. And so I agree. I always like the check-ins. I think they're so important. And, uh, another thing, just as we're talking about, like the responses with people, when they are asking one thing that really helped me, and I'd be curious if you have used the same thing or have another thing when people invite us to go do stuff. And then you have this like swirling downward spiral of guilt of like, you have to cancel or you're saying no, and you're turning them down for the 14th time and whatever I started, I can't actually remember where I read it. And I wish that I would have, I could remember where I got this from, but I started saying, you know, um, I'm sorry, I can't right now, but please invite me next time. Or I'm sorry that I keep canceling, but please don't stop inviting me. I do want to come, you know, I just can't right now. And for me, that really eliminated a lot of my guilt of, oh, I keep canceling on people or like not showing up or saying no, but I'm also expressing like, Hey, I don't want you to never invite me anymore. And I only say that to people that I do want to like eventually do stuff with. Um, and I feel like that really helped all of my relationships, um, friendships, family relationships, even work relationships. Like, oh, I can't sub this class today, but ask me next time. I'm really going to try to have your back as soon as I can. You know, um, it's made me feel less stressed about attending things or not attending things. It's made me feel like I'm just living more of like my truth. It's made me feel like I have more honest relationships because when I am somewhere, everyone kind of knows that I like really want to be there, you know, or that I'm feeling pretty good. So then I don't have to like talk about all of like the crappy things to do with health or something. It's just helped me a lot. So have you experienced things like that too? Do you think it's been addressed a lot on my podcast? Cause a lot of my guests have been through that. I don't know if it's because I'm typically the planner in like all of my friend groups that I haven't really experienced that because I'm the one that makes the plans. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time it works. I'd say that the thing that's happened more frequently for me is that I'm changing the time up a bit. So Mm -hmm. even like, you know, maybe this is a little different, but I have a lot of boundaries around time. I will not do any calls before noon. And I don't do anything on Mondays or Fridays that require other people's time. So I have my writing class that I am in on Mondays and I have therapy on Mondays, which are me times, but I will not book anything on Mondays and Fridays. And I'm really, really strict about that because I sleep really poorly, health related or not. And if I need to sleep in and I don't wanna have to bail on somebody, because it's 10 a.m. and I'm still in bed. Uh, And that sort of 12 o'clock limit really helps. 
So I've definitely had to change some things around here and there. And when I break those boundaries of like, sure, I'll do 1130 call. Um, I always regret it mm-hmm. always. And so I've really learned like, then don't do that. You know, your rules that work mm-hmm. stick yeah. to those. And I think with social plans, I've been really fortunate that I haven't had to cancel a lot of things. I mean, it happens here and there, but I definitely have like several weddings and bachelorette parties and bridal showers and baby showers coming up that because of the pandemic and me being very, very immunocompromised, you know, with all of this, that I don't know where I'm going to be at to attend those things. And I'm trying to figure out how I feel about it because some of it is stuff I'm really scared to not be able to attend and others I'm like, yes, I have an excuse. Yeah. (laughs) I I hope you're not listening. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I get that on such a deep level. Mm -hmm. can't believe I just said that. (laughs) I love it. It's true. I mean, listen, everyone knows that's the truth. Yes. Yeah. And I think you've gotten from me that like, I'm just a straight shooter. Like this is Mm -hmm. who I am. And, you know, I think about with my coaching clients, like this is, this is who I am. And I never try to hide any aspect of myself. So I either work for you or not. If you're not into cursing, this may be the wrong place. Yeah hear that yeah oh my goodness harper i could talk to you all day i know cassie could too where can people connect with you online if they want to learn about your writing class follow what you're doing on a day-to-day basis or just see what you got going on thank you ladies i feel the same way i feel like we've been like friends for years and hopefully we have many years to come um my website is harperspiro.com, S-P-E-R-O.com. My Instagram is harper underscore Spiro. Um, and then my upcoming writing classes, you can find all the information at madevisiblestories.com, but it's also all linked on my website. So thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for thank coming you so on much for coming on. Hi, everyone. If you haven't caught on, we really like self-care here at The Real Life Show. We're all about taking care of yourself, taking control of your energy, taking control of your life. So that way you get to live the life of your dreams in whatever way that looks like for you. And so we wrote a book all about self-care and energy management. It's called Empowered Self-Care. And we're really, really excited about it. It's freaking awesome. It's available on Amazon now, right now. And we are thrilled, like beyond thrilled to announce that we are bestsellers. This book became a bestseller in its first week in mind-body connection, in multiple sclerosis, and in irritable bowel syndrome. Woot, woot, we're bestsellers. And diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, we, we, were in, we were in lots of categories, um, maybe not number one, but we were really close to the top, which we were so excited about, which means that people were buying it, which means we, we take to means it's good. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. basically you want to get in on this really awesome trend of how great our book is and reading it and buying it and enjoying it and taking care of yourself. It is on sale on Kindle for $2.99, or you can get a paperback, which is gorgeous. Might we add for $13.99 on Amazon. The link is in the bio. We are so proud of it. It is beefed up. It is freaking awesome. It's got all the good shit in it. And when Cassie said link in bio, she meant link in show notes. Cause we're not on Instagram. We're on our podcast real life. Y'all <laughs> see that's <laughs> real right. people, but go check out our book. Tell us what you like about it. 
or I guess what you, we don't, what you don't like, you can tell us that too, but go check it out. We love it. Take better care of yourself so that you have all the energy to do all the things you want to do in your life. The book is called Empowered Self-Care, Take Control of Your Energy. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Wellness Hub community. These little things really do help to get our podcast out there to others. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Wellness Hub or on our website, mywellnesshub.co for all sorts of resources and to find our Wellness Hub community.